Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you? You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, DR Morgan Coaching. And the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited. So go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. It's your host, Dr. Morgan. Today's episode is a special one. We have a guest episode. This is courtesy of Alicia Pope. She's on Instagram at Purely Pope, just P-U-R-E-L-Y-P-O-P-E. She is lovely, and she had me on her podcast, and she asked me the most amazing questions about dating. So after I did that interview, I knew that I needed to share it with you all. So seriously, if you are dating, if you are working on your relationships and you're wanting to bring in that healthy, great relationship, I know that this episode will help you. We get super deep and we also get very practical and I go over logistics. So anyways, I know you're going to love it. Here it is. Hi, Morgan. How are you? Doing great. Excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. To start off, can you talk a little bit about your background, your story, like your certifications, all that sort of thing? And then also what inspired you to be doing what you're doing now? Absolutely. Okay. So 
I am a licensed clinical psychologist and a relationship coach and host of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. Um, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a psychologist, even from, I would say, middle school. Mm-hmm. I just was always interested in other people's stories and getting to really know people and learn why they are the way they are and and helping others. That was always something from a very young age. And then growing up, I watched my parents' relationship end. And then I watched my dad go on and have three divorces and have very tumultuous relationships. Mm. And I made this vow to myself that I would figure out how to have a healthy, happy relationship. And then I myself, I mean, even from age 16 to I would say 25, 27, I was in very abusive, terrible, up and down roller coaster relationships. And which I understand now was a result of childhood trauma and my own my own wounds that hadn't been healed. Mm-hmm. So I went through this terrible up and down in relationships. Finally, I hit a rock bottom. Everybody has to hit a rock bottom, unfortunately, right? At some point to really make the change. So hit rock bottom. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. I have to figure this out. And that's when I was obtaining my doctorate in clinical psychology. And I just said, I'm going to study couples. I'm going to study relationships. I'm going to figure this out. And I started learning about attachment theory. Mm. And I just, I realized the power of attachment theory and how women need that in their life to be able to make great choices in dating and understand themselves. Um, I know I can go on and on, but so yeah. I'm, I'm there. And then fast forward, I was in private practice in San Diego and right on the beach in, in La Jolla, beautiful private practice, living my dream professional life, really. But then I kept seeing again and again, women would get awareness about why they were where they were, but they didn't have a clear path forward. Mm. So I realized, you know, psychotherapy is this amazing tool for awareness, but it didn't provide that clear path forward. The tools afterwards. The tools yeah. Afterwards. So then, so then launched my coaching business, Dr. Morgan Coaching. And here we are three years later, and I've helped over a hundred women move Amazing. to attachment. Yeah. That's so cool. And I would love for you to dive a little bit more into what is attachment theory and what about it kind of sparked that interest in your mind. Yes. So attachment theory will help you understand why you do what you do Mm. in relationships. It's, I always tell people it's kind of the missing piece of the dating puzzle. It's incredibly powerful. And it's the science of understanding how our early relationship experiences shape our ways of being in Mm. relationships. So one way I talk about it is, is realizing at some point early on, you learned you had to be a certain way to get your needs met in relationships. And those strategies weren't always healthy. 
they worked at that time, but now that you're an adult, those same ways of being are no longer serving you. So attachment theory gives you a way of understanding that in a framework. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And you mentioned something about it gives you kind of a way of being to get what you need, which kind of reminds me of how I was before I met my fiance now, Nick, but I feel like I was kind of always in that people pleaser mentality and always trying to morph myself into what I thought I needed to be to be loved or especially in a relationship. So I'm curious to hear your take on how you think self-love is related to a healthy relationship and, and maybe even finding one at all of really just being like comfortable with yourself and in love with yourself first. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So the healthy attachment style that I talk about is secure attachment. Mm. And it is that place of secure when we do love ourselves and we have that security of who we are and we, we know what we are worth. We have those clear standards and non-negotiables Otherwise, what ends up happening in dating is you are looking to fill your self-worth through a partner Mm -hmm. and you're saying, well, if I can just get them to love me, then I'm good enough. And then that need to get your self-worth met through someone else causes you to show up inauthentically and really is just totally sabotages um, any kind of real, true, healthy connection. Yeah. Which kind of then gets people to a place of almost settling, right? Of, of, if you're compromising things that you want, um, and, and, and also too, I'm sure that the energy that you put off is very different as well versus, you know, confidence versus a desperate energy. And I feel like with that, there's probably a lot of power and knowing what you want and staying true to that. So do you have any advice for people that are maybe looking for a relationship or maybe you're in a not so healthy relationship on to try to stay true to what you want and, and, and being confident in those desires and not settling. Because I think that so many people, especially with the pressures of our society of, okay, you get to a certain age. This is when you need to get married. This is when you need to start having babies, whatever it is. So do you have any advice for really staying true to yourself and not settling and being confident that, you know, you can find somebody that meets all of your desires and needs and and all of that? I love that question. And one of the things I would say is make sure you have time where you're connecting to yourself. Mm. So many of us can get so externally focused and, you know, we're trying to have a great career and work out and have friends and a relationship. And we don't make that time to even tune in with ourselves to even know how we feel and what we want and what's going on internally. So make that time to tune into yourself, um, whether it's through journaling or being able to meditate, sit with your emotions. And then this is a really important question. Ask yourself, how do I feel in this relationship? And be willing to give yourself an honest answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we have to be honest about how we want to feel in a relationship. And if the relationship that we're in is not matching up with that, 
we can work to redefine the relationship or we need to move on. Yeah. And I think that that's probably the harder thing to do because people need to have faith that there is somebody better out there for them sort of thing. Right. And I think that that's something that people are, yeah, (laughs) that's something that people are scared of. Yeah. Talk a little bit on that about the like abundance versus lack mentality, because I love that. That's how I coach. Even it's funny how that principle can be taken over to so many different areas of life. Because when I coach, I coach a lot about food freedom and intuitive eating. And I always talk about abundance to your plate. What can you add versus what do you need to eliminate? So can you talk a little bit about that, of the power of having an abundance mindset? Absolutely. Yeah. So with anxious attachment, which is that Um, attachment style that's going to cling and kind of wants to maintain the relationship no matter what. And the idea is that you'd be prioritizing the relationship above your own needs. Okay. So with that attachment style, you're like holding on, you're, you're clinging on to the relationship. And part of it is the fear that there won't be anybody else and the fear that you're not good enough and that you know there's something wrong with you and if people really know you for who you are there's not anybody who's going to meet your needs or who's going to want to be with you so it's this scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and there's such a strong fear of abandonment and it can come from childhood experiences past relationships but it's this fear of oh i just don't want to be abandoned. And what can happen is that is preventing you from even seeing the relationship accurately. It may be a terrible relationship. It may not be meeting any of your needs, but you just have this fear of abandonment. You're like, I just don't want to be abandoned. So you cling to it when if you could step into abundance mindset, and I, I always tell this to clients I'm coaching, you have to know there are people out there right now who are emotionally available, who are good looking, and who would be super excited to date you and grow with you. Mm -hmm. You have to really know that truth um, because it is true. Yeah. But you, you block yourself from that when you cling to the relationship. Yeah. It's that focusing on what you do want instead of what you don't want sort of thing. And when we do focus on what we do want, that's what we'll attract. But when we're focusing on what we don't want, that's what we'll attract too. It's really the law of attraction, power of attraction sort of thing. Um, But how do you, how do you coach your clients to really trigger that mindset versus that scarcity mindset? Are there tools or tactics? Is it meditation? Is it journaling? Or what are things that people can do to get to that mindset versus just like, which I know for me, it was, it was hitting that rock bottom when it came to relationships, you know, and getting in a very unhealthy relationship and and ending that. But is there any tools that people can use proactively to maybe not get to that point to just get to that, you know, abundance mindset? Yeah, I love that question. I I really think this comes down to your belief system. So those core beliefs about yourself and then your core beliefs about relationships. A lot of people talk about beliefs about self, but I don't hear it talked about as much this idea of beliefs about relationships of what what do you believe to be true? about relationships. And if you're having that scarcity mindset and you can't get into abundance, 
it is true that you're going to have beliefs about yourself that aren't helping you and beliefs about relationships that aren't helping you. So the first thing you want to do, and this is what I help women do, because it's hard to look at these beliefs on your own. Yeah. So I guess I want to say, if you really are there, please get help, whether it's with me or someone else, get help because it's hard to look at those beliefs, honestly. Uh, but but that's where you want to start. Ask yourself, what do I really believe about myself? And what do I believe about relationships? Because once those change and you know your worth and you know that you're worthy of love and you know that there are relationships that will give that to you, it completely changes how you show up in dating. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Cause I know that that happened for me, for me too. Um, but what, what advice, speaking of looking for somebody, what advice would you give for somebody that is trying to navigate today's dating world of the online dating, the hinges, the Tinder, the bumbles, like there's so many different apps out there. Um, so can you speak a little bit to that on navigating it and, and also maybe to speaking about some advice or misconceptions about dating in today's modern world? Because I feel like there's a lot of those out there too. Like the guy should always attract, uh, come up to you or, you know, like things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that in today's world? Because I think it's, it's a lot different than it's been in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. And the women I coach will always talk to me about the dating apps and they'll say things like, Oh, I'm so sick of it. I don't even, I deleted all the apps again. I'm so tired of it. All these men just want to hook up or there's all these things I'm sure you've heard too, right? Yeah. <laughs> People are frustrated with the dating apps. Um, and here's what I want you to know. Dating can be fun. So number one, <laughs> You may have a bad relationship with dating. You may mm -hmm. have totally um, developed some habits that are that are leading you to feel like dating just isn't fun, but it can be. So I, I could go on and on about this. I'm going to try to give you my best tips. <laughs> Number one is make sure that you are using the dating apps as a tool instead of letting the dating apps control you. So what I mean by that is you want to be intentionally using those dating apps. So not when you're like half awake and you're worn out and you're in a bad mood and you're drinking wine or something, you're just like swiping mindlessly. You don't, you don't want to be doing that. You want to intentionally show up when you have that clarity about what you want and mm -hmm. you feel excited because it matters the energy that you're in as you're swiping. And then number two for the dating apps, the apps are not a relationship building tool. Mm -hmm. They are an opportunity creation tool. So they give you the opportunity, but someone who's really interested in building a relationship with you, you owe it to yourself and them to get off the dating apps, go on a coffee day, take it offline. Take it offline, have a real in-person interaction that is short. But here's what I see. Women make the mistake of investing a ton of energy into somebody that they're meeting on the app when they don't even know if that person deserves their emotional investment. Mm -hmm. I, I talk about being an intelligent investor in relationships, which means you have to pace the relationship so that you know it's worthy of your emotional investment. 
but people use dating apps and then they kind of make up in their head who they think the person is, who they want the person to be. And they're investing all this time and energy. And it's, it's like, nope, it's just an opportunity creation tool. Take it off the app and see if it's worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that piece of advice because I remember when I was on dating apps, I would do that too. I'm like, I'm not going to take all this time to have conversations with you over the app. Um, if, if it's worth it, okay, let's meet up for coffee or a drink or, you know, one thing, not diving in all the way to, okay, we're going to do a full dinner sort of thing together because you can always continue the date if you're vibing or whatever, but just having that small commitment, I think is a really good piece of advice and also to take it out of the dating app to see if it is worth your time is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And just to add to this point too, I want people to know that it's a great time to be dating. There's research on, you know, having gone through this pandemic, people are really clear on what they want and they're, they're becoming more aware of, Oh, I really do want someone to navigate life with. Mm-hmm. Um, So there's actually research predicting we're going to see a huge increase in marriage rates. So cool. Get out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that you, something that you just mentioned in terms of it's a great time to be dating. I think that again, people just have that negative mindset towards it, towards, okay, it's it's crazy, but it's funny. I was actually having this conversation with a group of, of friends over the weekend and they had talked about how back in the modern times, it's like your dating pool was really limited to who was around you, who was within 20 miles from you. And now you can probably find somebody that is more of a better fit for you than ever before because of all the options. But I think for a lot of people that can sometimes be overwhelming too, you know, but I think that just looking at it from that positive point of view is is definitely important. For sure. Absolutely. You ha- yeah, all this technology we have needs to be empowering to you. And hopefully you can be excited and say, you know, wow, there's there's so many people. And at the same time, knowing that there's never a perfect person, this idea of soulmates, there's actually so many people who can be your soulmate. Mm-hmm. The, the main thing is, is it someone who wants to show up and do the work with you and have a real healthy, securely attached relationship. And there's actually a lot of people that would love to do that with you. You just have to connect with someone where you both want to do that together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. And another question just on the topic of social media and online dating and all that stuff. How do you suggest, and do you have any tips for this of moving on in the world of social media? Because I know that you've posted about this before about, oh, my ex watched my story or this person followed me or I need to block them or whatever it is. So do you have any advice for really moving on? Because I think again, back, back in the day, you know, like 10 years ago before social media was a thing, it was okay. Your, your ex, you break up and you're, you might not see them again. Maybe you'll bump into them in a social circle or whatever, but now these days you can see what they're doing 24 seven. So is there any advice that you have for moving on in the modern day in the world of social media? Oh, it's such a good point. (laughs) There's that that country song breaking up was easier in the 90s. Yes, yes, I love that song actually. It's such a I was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you have to protect your energy. People make the mistake of giving their energy to their ex for way too long. And whether you realize it or not, by you looking at their stories and seeing if they viewed yours and all of that craziness, you are leaking your energy to them still, even though the relationship has ended. So I really recommend take your energy back, invest it into you, do whatever you have to do so that you're you're not giving it to your ex. You need time to process how you feel, to process the breakup without seeing them or interacting with them. The the research shows that seeing your ex on social media is as painful as seeing them in person. So why would you do that to yourself? Wow. Right? Like take your take your energy back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times people forget that even if you don't want to seem immature and like block them or unfollow or whatever, you can mute and, you know, but, but you also have to have the willpower to then not just go and and creep on them still or do anything like that. Um, Another big issue too, in the modern dating world that I don't know that was an issue before, maybe it was, and maybe you have an opinion on this is ghosting. And now I'm 31 now, but I know that all through my twenties, I had dealt with ghosting a lot and it can really mess somebody up in terms of just that, you know, that attachment that you're talking about and, and feeling that anxiety and kind of trying to like clench onto something that maybe isn't working. So any thoughts on ghosting, how to deal with it and how to maybe even heal if you have been ghosted for anybody listening? It's such an important question. And it's funny, I was I was writing some things about this because I'm working on a book and to help me kind of just get into what that felt like, because it's been years for me. Um, but just like you, I had my own ghosting experiences. And to help me remember, I was going back through my old text messages because there was this one guy who ghosted me and it was so painful. So I like went back to those texts that I had sent and I was reading what I was saying. And it, it is so painful. You just want the answers. You want to know what did I do? What went wrong? Like, how could have this happened, et cetera. And here's the advice. Here's the tough love. It says so much more about them. It really, it is not a reflection of you. What, what it's telling you is this person is lacking emotional capacity to show up in an adult relationship where people communicate and by them ghosting you, they're actually saving you the time and they're, they're letting you know, I don't have capacity to be in the relationship that you deserve. Yeah. It's almost like ghosting in a way it's saying nothing, but saying so much at the same time. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. You just said what I said in like one sentence. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Are there any other red flags for people? Cause I think that emotional availability is a big, big thing. Are there any other red flags that you see in those early stages of dating or red flags that you can give to people to kind of look out for outside of the ghosting sort of thing? Cause I know that you've talked a lot about being in a relationship with somebody who's a narcissist, which I have dealt with in the past. So any, any sort of things to look out for that people can see that maybe it shows that somebody's not emotionally available. 
Great question. There, there's a lot of things. Um, one that comes to mind is just inconsistent communication. So that mm. person who is taking three to four days to text you back, the person who's not proactively making plans with you or kind of dodges your questions about, well, I thought we were going to go to the beach this weekend, right? Um, so someone who's not consistent in their communication, who's not reaching to you to spend time with you. Uh, that's certainly a red flag. Another red flag is talking about their ex all the time or talking about their past relationships all the time. Um, that's a common, either a, a narcissist trait or someone who's avoidantly attached, which gets confused for a narcissist, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, if they're talking about their ex nonstop, we've all been there, right? It's like that person clearly doesn't have emotional availability. Um, one other one that, that I would say is they're just not willing to talk with you about where the relationship is going. As you're listing these, I'm like, yeah, check, check, check of things I've dealt with in the past, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is, it's so funny, but, but yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I, I, one, one other one, which I know all the women are like, okay, yes, all these, but um, if they're putting all their energy into their career or their friends or, you know, watching the sport games on the weekends, um, someone who is afraid to put any energy or time into a relationship, they're, they're lacking that emotional availability. That's another good one too, where it just kind of seems like, oh no, they're just really focused on this or whatever. But again, it's kind of saying, okay, well, if they're not focused on you yes. or being in a relationship, then that maybe they're not ready for that right now. Yeah. Can I, can I make one more point about this? Yeah. yeah. So there's so many reasons why it could be the case. It could be they had a terrible childhood. It could be they're really struggling with something. It could be X, Y, Z, what, whatever. And you may have so much empathy and so much compassion, compassion for them. And that doesn't change the fact that they're emotionally unavailable and you deserve better. I see so many women who are just investing time and energy and waiting for the person to become emotionally available save your energy and time, wish them healing and the best and move on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of power in that. I, Cause I think that a lot of people do get stuck with the waiting around and, and waiting to think if it will change or whatever. Um, but, but on that same topic, I would love to know some of the, I think there's a lot of dating advice that's out there. Um, and I would love for you to go over some of the worst dating advice that maybe is very mainstream and kind of debunking the myths around dating, because I know one of them that I saw that you you've mentioned in the past is, oh, well, love and a relationship will just fall into your lap when you're not looking. Um, so I'd love to, for you to kind of cover some of those so that people can, can know what, what might be BS out there. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of advice that kind of makes me cringe when I see it. So um, yeah, the fact of like, oh, love will just come to you when you're not looking for it or when you're not trying. 
that is not true. You have to make space in your life for love and you have to be willing to do that internal work and the healing that's required to attract that love that you want. And I think sometimes people confuse um, like not trying. They're, they're trying to say like, oh, don't be anxiously attached. Don't try too hard. So yes, be securely attached hold space for the love that you know that you deserve, but you have to be intentionally saying, yes, I want a relationship. Yes. I'm going to put myself in places where I can meet people. I'm going to make time in my schedule for it. There was a long time where I said I wanted a relationship, but my life and my actions did not reflect that. I had Mm -hmm. no space in my life for love. And if, and when it showed up, I pushed it away because I didn't make space for it. So be honest with yourself. Have you created space in your life for it? That's a really good tip. A really, really good tip. And what are some of the things that you see people doing wrong when they're looking for love of, I know you, you just mentioned one of, maybe not saying that, oh no, I'm not looking for it or not making the space for it. But is there anything else that, that you think that people are doing wrong that you see that's maybe one of the things that you see with a lot of your coaching clients or anything? I, I definitely think people think that they should just kind of play the games or this is some of the other myths that are out there, like play hard to get, don't be Mm. too available. Um, you know, don't, don't actually tell them you want them, et cetera. Right. Um, you have to be open and honest and direct about, about what you want. And I see, I see a lot of women who they they come to me and they say, I just don't want to be too much, or they've, they've been told that they're too much, they're too needy, whatever the case. Um, that's not, that's, that's not the case. You're, you're not too much for the person who wants to grow with you, who wants to build a healthy relationship. What's happened is your attachment style causes you to be attracted to people who are not emotionally available. So that's why you keep, you know, being told that you're too much. So you have to change you so that that right person comes into your life and you build a healthy relationship together. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think part of it is it's not necessarily that, you know, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that I think that that confidence from the inside is really important. And just knowing that, you know, not everybody that you're dating is going to be the right fit for you, you know? And I think that that's something too, that, that just goes back to that energy that you were talking about in terms of whatever your attachment style is and, and knowing, okay, if somebody's not available, then it's not necessarily the right fit right now. Um, but yeah, but I think that that is, that's, that's really helpful. But something else that I would love for you to dive into is dealing with rejection, because I think that a lot of times, especially when you're looking for love there, of course, you can be doing the inner work. You can be working on things, but still when things don't work out, when you're so wanting something so badly, I think is, is important, um, to address too. So are there any tips that you can give to somebody that might be dealing with some sort of rejection in, in the dating world? 
Absolutely. One of the things that's so important is that you make sure that you love your life as a single person. I think people can get so caught up in like, oh, once I have the relationship, then I'll be happy. No, actually that won't happen. I always tell people relationships are a multiplier. If you love your life and you love yourself, a relationship will cause you to feel more love. If you're miserable as a single person and you're not really happy with your life, a relationship will make you more miserable. Mm. It's a multiplier. So make sure that you're working on you, that you love your life. And when you get to that place and, and you know what you're looking for, when you have rejection, take some time to grieve it. Take a little bit of time and say, wow, that, that does hurt. I did feel that. And then release it and trust that that wasn't the right person for you. And it's simply getting you closer to the relationship that is meant for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's an important thing to note for anybody listening, because this is my own personal experience too, before um, finding my fiance is that when I did meet him, I was so focused on myself. And I think I was in the best place with my confidence, with my self-love, all of those things that it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't looking for a relationship. It was that I wanted that love, of course, but I didn't need it. And I think that oftentimes we can come from a place of need, or again, that desperate energy that I was mentioning before, and you're looking for somebody to fill a void for you. And it's like, you can't, you can't, you can't put that on somebody else. That's way too much pressure for somebody else to expect somebody else to fill a void for you. Where I think if you are feeling complete and you are feeling really confident in yourself and happy and you're loving yourself, then that can be an addition to whatever, like you mentioned that multiplier. So I think that that's so true and something that people do have to kind of think about a lot. It's so true because then you have people who, if they're looking to fill that void, then they get in the relationship and, you know, they're three months, six months in, and that void still isn't filled like they thought, then they blame it on the relationship and they end the relationship and they repeat the cycle again. So to stop this cycle, you do have to learn how to fill yourself up on your own. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about what people are doing wrong and about about dating and finding somebody, but I would love your tips and insight on maybe the keys to having and maintaining a healthy relationship. Like what do you think people are doing right once you are dating somebody, once you are in a committed relationship? Are there things or that stand out to you that really help to promote that? Yes, absolutely. And I could do a whole podcast on this. So I'll try to keep it short. Um, And and it is so important to be able to maintain a great relationship because we think about, oh, attracting one and getting in one, but that it doesn't end there. You Mm -hmm. maintain the relationship. So one really important thing is understanding um, how to use that acronym HALT hungry, angry, lonely, tired, which Mm. maybe you've used in, in your own coaching with people, but knowing that if you're any of those things, it's not a time to communicate with your partner. So to sum that up, intentional communication. 
So being able to self-soothe, move yourself to a place where you can communicate well, and then go to your partner. Yeah. Right. That's, that's huge. Important. Yeah. Whenever I'm yeah. communicating, if I'm tired or hungry, that's never, it's never a good scenario. You could ask my fiance. <laughs> No, it's not. And you're like, okay, I need a snack and to go to bed and let's talk about this tomorrow. Right. Like you have to, you have to be very aware. Um, another thing is allowing each other to still be yourselves and be individuals and have your own unique hobbies and your own ways that you're growing and supporting one another in that while also having shared, you know, time where you feel deeply connected, you need to honor both. Yeah. I talk a lot about that too, because I, my fiance and I, we kind of had that forced upon us because we did long distance with the first year that we dated and I loved it. Now looking back at it, of course, it was obviously, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, I think it's so exciting. And all you want to do is spend all of your time with that person. But I think in a lot of situations that can end up actually being a detriment to the relationship because mm-hmm. you kind of, you lose those friendship connections, you lose those, those hobbies that you had before being with that person and you go so all in. But I think that it is so important to keep your own lives in a way. And so we kind of had that built in for us in that first year. And then we were able to continue that. Um, And of course, then we moved to a new city together. So we built a life here together, but we still each have our own personal hobbies. I just took a weekend completely by myself and went on a retreat. And that was amazing because I think it allows you to, to appreciate the time that you have with that person and be like you were saying with the communication so much more intentional about how you're spending it too. So I think that that is a really, really good tip to continue to, you know, have your own lives and have your own things and priorities outside of just the relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love what you shared and how long distance kind of helped you really cement that foundation early on. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you have to make sure that you're holding on to who you are when you're in the relationship. You know, we hear so many people talk about losing themselves in a relationship and then that builds resentment. So Mm -hmm. by honoring who you are and honoring what you're interested in and supporting your partner and doing the same you, pr- you provide a healthy foundation to say, hey, we're not going to lose ourselves. We can be two unique individuals and love one another. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, there's, there's an important thing to be said about maintaining the relationship. Like you were mentioning, a lot of people only focus on getting into one. And then it's like, when you're there, you're like, okay, yeah, well, everything should be fine and dandy, but relationships do take work too. Um, And I think also there's of course, different phases of the relationship. And there's things that you want to do to kind of keep it exciting, like it was in the beginning, but also honor that, okay, there's there there are going to be different phases. So are there any tips that you can give to really keeping a relationship alive and exciting and so that you can kind of keep that spark alive, so to speak? Absolutely. 
Um, one thing I would say, and I have an episode on this, I think it's called treat your relationship like a business or mm-hmm. why, why you should treat your relationship like a, bin- a business. And it talks about how, you know, at work, you have meetings every week and you're saying, well, this is going well, this isn't going well, you know, we need more of this. We don't get enough of that. You need to schedule that time with your partner weekly to just check in mm-hmm. and say, where are we at? And it should be fun. Like I had a couple I was working with who did Taco Tuesday and relationship check-in time, and they did that every week, right? So make it fun, but schedule the time. And then I would say to keep excitement, one of the things my partner and I do is time away because getting out of where you are, like changing your environment, even if you're just driving somewhere that's an hour away, it doesn't matter, but changing up your environment um, is very important. And then you have that intentional time that's away from your everyday responsibilities and you're spending that time together. Um, and we, we do a thing where every other week we have a date night out somewhere. And then every other month we go on a trip together. And that's something we always look forward to and plan. So, you got to create that, that spontaneity and new and exciting, you know, feel in your relationship. Yeah. And I think the, the main theme there is really just investing the time in that. Right. And, and I think that that's something that people think that, oh yeah, just going to go seamlessly and whatever. And, you know, but I think investing the time, I love that. I love that analogy of thinking of your relationship like a business. That's a really good one. But I would love for you to speak a little bit about your ESL relationship program, tell people what it is, where they could find it, all that good stuff. Yeah. So the ESL program, that is how I work with women currently. That's the only way. And it's an eight week program that I designed to take you from wherever you are right now, whether it's the dating roller coaster, anxiously attached, avoidantly attached, and help you move to secure attachment. So it's really this beautiful place where you can come and do that internal work that's going to make dating fun. And it's going to help you attract that securely attached soulmate that you want. Um, It's the most fun I have coaching the women inside of there. And it's this amazing community where you get to be around women who just like you want to heal themselves and want to attract that healthy relationship. That's very cool. Is it a group coaching or is it one-on-one or is it like a course style? So it's a little bit of everything. So you have lifetime access to a course, there's group coaching calls, and we have one-on-one coaching with myself. So So it's, it's so much support. Um, And I'm, I'm really proud that we just have had so many amazing results and, you know, women who are getting engaged or getting married and, I just love, I love seeing women come in who say, I've never had a healthy relationship. I don't even know what it feels like. And then they leave. And for the first time they're experiencing that healthy love like that. That's why I do what I do. I love, I love seeing that transformation. So yeah, that's um, amazing. it's a real gift. Yeah. So cool. Well, I end the podcast with two questions. And the first one is what does self-love mean to you? Ooh, 
That's so good. <laughs> so self, self-love to me is not being afraid to stand in your truth and be honest with yourself about what you're feeling and, and what you need and being willing to ask for it. That's very important, being willing to ask for it. And the second one is, what do you love most about yourself? That's a great question. I I would say just that I'm so driven to help people and that that's always been that's always been my my mission in life is just to help others. Yeah. And I'm I'm really grateful because that's it's just felt like such a guiding compass in my life and it's it's helped me have so much direction. So yeah, just my heart for helping other people and wanting other people to to not be in pain in their in their relationships. Yeah. And you're helping others find love. What's better than that? That's like, it's It's the best thing ever. (laughs) I love like when I get the announcements of I'm engaged or, you know, we're we're expecting a baby. One of the women I coached is going to have a baby coming up. And yeah, it just, it feels really good knowing that I could help with that. Yeah, totally. So where can everybody find you, follow you? You share so much good stuff on Instagram. So tell them all the things. Yes. Come hang out on Instagram. It's at Dr. Morgan coaching. So Dr. Morgan coaching. And then the podcast is a great resource. I do two episodes every week. Um, and it's just called let's get vulnerable and that's everywhere podcasts are aired. So perfect. Come hang out. Perfect. Well, we'll, we'll link it all in the show notes too, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love your questions. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram Facebook and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth, and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.